Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, join us on the docks of Hoboken, New Jersey, as Marlon Brando earns his first Best Actor Oscar for his performance as Terry Malloy in On the Waterfront. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to this Deja Vu episode of the 3324 Podcast. I feel like I'm saying this stuff over, Eric, but I don't know why. (laughs) Do you ever have that feeling? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Absolutely. The cat walks by you, and then the cat walks by again. You know, that's we're in the Matrix. It yeah. Most definitely. And in Trinity the Matrix. turns yeah. around and said, What did you say? <laughs> I saw a cat walk by, and then I saw it walk by. Again. It was a glitch. Let's yes. put it. Yeah, there's a, a, Glit- a glitch. glitch in the Matrix. But uh, yeah. we're, we're, we, you are experiencing us in our purest form. So thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at 3324podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We post the shit out of those, those sites. So go check it out. Right? Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> that's that's point. That, well, that's selling it, man. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. That's a. You know, that's everybody, a t-shirt. You're gonna make a million dollars. That's a hell of a t-shirt. T-shirt. I'm representing tonight. <laughs> you got this from yeah. got this from the shop. Right, yeah, we've got our own yeah. shop. We've got our own I shop. Believe it or not, yeah, uh, custom stuff. Not not just logo stuff though. Not everybody yeah. wants to wear a 3324 podcast shirt, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But we've got other great uh, retro-related items too, which are really fun. You can show your your geekiness. Well, you've, you the you last I think it was person. one of the last episodes we did. You demanded you you were like, "Where's your shirt?" Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to wear dress it. Code. Eric so was not in dress code. <laughs> so here it is. <laughs> he was he was going to get a write up. That's right, a reprimand. So joining us for, for the, tonight's episode, uh, two great guests. Kelly Cooper, how are you? Haven't seen you in a while. Hello. Great. Thank you for Doing having well. me. Good. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, Mr. Roland DeRucci, creator, founder, distributor, editor, director, writer of the Ready Speaker podcast on YouTube. That's quite a mouthful. Did that's, I leave something out? No, I think that was it. That was it. Handsome. But that's Kelly it. <laughs> Keith Ripped, best best boy, handsome, overall handsome, <laughs> handsome fellow. How do you feel about such praise, Roland? How do you have a, a little uh, a little hyped <laughs> up, a little aroused, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> Better than the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure, so we're, sir. We're gonna, 
welcome. We're going to drop a link to the Ready Speaker podcast on YouTube. So go check out Roland. Uh, he covers a lot of great um, music, uh, uh, movie, television, series, streaming, uh, you name it. He's got a, his interests. Interests are wide, far deep and wide, and he covers it all on his podcast. So, uh, by all means, please go see Mr. Roland Arucci. He's got a great show, and uh, he's got a be- he's got a really neat intro graphic. I'm like, how did he do? I'm afraid to ask. Him. <laughs> it's amazing it's like what mushrooms like will do. It's like this computer generated thing. It comes up. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> We we've got a logo. <laughs> I see ELO. We got an ELO logo. Then yeah. yeah, we've got the ELO here. Well, Plus we've got we've got the logo back here though. We've got the banner. So <laughs> so thank you both for joining us. Uh, the the month of March is is Oscars month, mm-hmm. and we decided for Oscars month that we were going to do a series of five episodes, each one about about a best picture Oscar winning film. So we are starting, and we're going to go in decade order. So we've got one from the 50s. We skipped the 60s, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So this is going to be kicking off our Oscars month, and we're going to be talking about the fantastic, the great uh, film on the waterfront. So let's jump into the stats uh, before anything happens, and um, we'll go from there. So this was released in July of 1954, written by Bud Schulberg, directed by Elia Kazan. Nominated for 12 Oscars, and it won eight. Mm-hmm. An amazing feat back then uh, for, for a small film like this. The budget was only $910,000, wow. uh, and it had a $9.6 million box office. So it, it made back 10, 10 times what, uh, what, what they thought it was going to do. Uh, I'm just going to run down. We're going to run down the, the accolades for this because it was, since there was so many, I think we should really kind of uh, give it some respect. You know, not, maybe not a lot of people know what On the Waterfront is, Eric, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and considering that we've only done two other classic films and they both starred Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, true. I think it was time for us to move off of Bogart, you know, as much as we like him. Moving off um, of Bogart onto Brando. There we go. Yeah, yeah. we're staying in the bees. Yeah. <laughs> Next will be Benny Hill. So this was this was nominated for Best Motion Picture. It won. It was nominated for Best Director. It won. It was nominated for Best Actor, and it won Marlon Brando. Triple, a, 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 a hat trick of Best Supporting Actor nominations. Three yeah. gentlemen were nominated from this film. Unfortunately, not one of them won, maybe because they were both so all so strong, and how could you pick? One could of be. them, but um, Lee J. Cobb, fantastic. Carl Malden, uh, American Express card, don't leave home without it. Rod <laughs> Steiger, also three great supporting actors nominated. Best Supporting Actress, Eva Marie Saint, she won. Best Story and Screenplay won. Best Art Direction, Black and White, took home Oscar Gold. Best Cinematography, Black and White, also won. Best Film Editing won. And then it was nominated for Best Music Score. Mm. Uh, and it didn't win. So eight, 8 out of 12 is not a bad haul. No, not at all. You know, what do you, what do you think, Raul? Did you, did you realize how, how well uh, recognized this film was? Yeah, no, I, I kind of grew up watching this. You know, it was always, you know, the old TVs, you know, cha- Channel 13 and Channel 11 movie weeks and stuff like that. So I, I, I always remember the weight of it and everyone speaking about it. Rewatching it and kind of going back into the history of the, the director, Elia Kazan, as, mm-hmm. as well, that mm-hmm. actually gave me a little bit of new insight into it. And then it made me look at it a little differently this time. Yeah, so. let, let's start there. Let, yeah. Let's start there. I'm, usually I ask if anybody saw it in a theater. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm going to skip that question since it came out in 1954. Yeah. I don't think any of us were there. No, no, we can't. We no. can't lay claim that we were at the premiere, so we'll okay. leave that one. 
Unless it was a re-release at some point. Yes. Well, yeah, but usually the original, uh, but right, original yeah. one. But, but yeah, the, the Ilya Kazan is, is the director. And in the 1950s, it, it was it, – there's a section of Congress or in the government at the time called the House Un-Americans Activities Committee. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it, but you can find it on Wikipedia. Basically trying to root out communism and bad people. Right. And and, yeah. and and especially post-World War II, Roland, correct me if I'm wrong, there was what was called the Red Scare. You know, they, yeah. they were, you know, senators or congressmen or, or whoever it was in the government were afraid that communism was infiltrating the United States. And there were secret pockets and cells of communists gathering together, especially in Hollywood. Yeah. So what they started doing was pulling people into committees, into hearings and say, we know that, you know, communists. And if you give us the names We'll leave you alone, whether or not you knew anybody. And and so yeah. and a lot of um, actors refused to pl- play ball with that. Um, and they were blacklisted as a result. And a lot of them, and you see like Orson Welles at the time, went over to Europe or went out of the country to start making films because they effectively couldn't really work. Uh, Ilya Kazan named some people. I don't, I don't actually know the, all the details of whether or not these were actually communists or he just gave people names, but... He wasn't looked upon too favorably, right, Roland? Yeah, no, that was a problem with it. Even though I think Rod Steiger said he, he wouldn't have taken the role if he had known about what he said to the committee because he was actually against that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and even earlier, he's he's a Greek immigrant, immigrant from uh, what is today, Turkey. Turkey, Like in the yeah. middle of Turkey. That's yeah. where he was born. And uh, and he grew up in a, in a neighborhood in Istanbul. So very religious oriented. And even the sty- style, it's, it's very, it, it's amazing when you look at it. And you look at what, when it was made and how it was made in the style and, and how much it, this film impacted a lot of future films, mm. even Eastern European films. I would say, I would say a lot of uh, European films really emulate this specific style. Even the famous film we talked about recently, Copland. Yeah. It oh, is yeah, absolutely. such a, a, a parallel version of Copland. It was kind of scary yeah, no as doubt. I was watching yeah. it. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, I go, this is, I can see the influence of, of what this film, how how long of a reach his style of directing and storytelling yeah. Yeah. Uh, put forward. And again, with the anti-communism was very funny. For me, it's funny because one of the main threads in, in the uh, in, in the film is workers rights, which, uh, you mm-hmm. know, supporting yeah. unions, which is pretty much the anchor of all communism is unions. So so it's actually really funny that that he was. He, he actually went on, you know, to a committee, spoke about communism but communism was actually centered on unions in this country that's yeah. where the growth came from yeah but <laughs> so. before I, before i kick it over to kelly yeah when, when this film was in pre-production columbia picture says said we'll make this if you make the bad guys communists right not yeah. not union not union guys but if you yeah. so if you make an anti-communism film you know we we, we would really like that better yeah and he's like no <laughs> like, yeah you know, like it does <laughs> you know but i there was enough of that going around, right? That yeah. that mania and that that kind of, yeah. uh, you know, kind of like I said, the, what they call the red scare of everybody's mm-hmm. a communist and you don't know where they're lurking. You know, it's just it was just kind of crazy. And he he kind of stood around and said, "No, this is not what this that's this is about." Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's it's about this particular small world story, which would not have worked. You know, Marlon Brando and Xbox are battling communists. It's like it it doesn't fit. But um, Kelly, what's your connection to this film? <clears throat> My husband. Your <laughs> so husband. I, had it, I had not seen it before uh-huh. um, I met Eric, but we had seen it years and years ago. And mm-hmm. when I revisited it, I realized how much 
like little nuanced stuff I had missed the first time because there's so much action. There's so much going on that yeah. you can really get not lost in it, but you kind of get caught up in the story. And I was watching it from the romance side of things, like how's this relationship going to. And so that's kind of how the first viewing was. And then the Mm -hmm. second viewing was much more in depth with the union and, and all of these like side fighting and, you know, and, you know, kind of the good fellas (laughs) aspect of, you know, like all these guys, you know, working for one another and like, you know, you got to be, on the inside and you know you don't yeah. just show up and get your day's work <laughs> yeah, yeah and 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 this film has the unfortunate baggage or anchor of of having one of the most quotable lines in film history so people really base the film on that like i could have been a contender yeah i could have mm-hmm. been somebody and they do the brando impression and that is such a it, it is a, an important part of the film but it's not the film and if people only ever hear the impression of that they, they think it's something else right roland yeah. it's kind of yeah. like the, you know, the, the, that's what people have taken away from auto, on the waterfront was is the Brando impression, which leads us leads us to um, in the 50s. A new style of acting was coming forward called method acting. Yeah. OK, which was different than the acting in the 40s, where method acting was a little bit more <coughs> internalizing and trying to relate to these experiences or, or having drawn from lived experiences and then bring them into the character. Um, I, I, I think that that kind of brings filmmaking into the fifties role. And do you think that the rise of method acting with Montgomery Clift, you know, Brando, you would see James Dean in another year or two, um, you know, actors of that style, I think, I think kind of brought a a breath of fresh air to filmmaking in the fifties. It definitely brought a a sense of realism, I I think, or at least what we perceive as realism. And if you look at it, the styles are very New York and East coast too. Even the addiction was, was, was actually, again, a similar, movie you know uh rebel without a cause if in this movie i was like sort of comparing them on my own mm-hmm. and the diction is very unique it's very it's very new york based uh these were new york acting houses that that sort of developed these characters and the, these internal dilemmas and they were all moralistic so it's a, a different kind of filmmaking where the story is not the moral the individual is the moral compass going through it and it, it definitely changed how, how films and stories were being told at that time because you're going from their their perspective. They're, they're demons eating them up. And this mm-hmm. is another character where his demons are eating him up. And until he finds a way to turn to a place where he can be happy, where he, I think he says it in the film, you know, this is the first time something's good happening for me and I don't want to mess this up. Mm-hmm. That, that's a pivot point that I don't know if characters really said it before this film. You know, they didn't express it. They didn't vocalize it before this kind of film. And yeah, for Leo Kazan to bring that out in an actor, that's that's, yeah, a, that's or, a or the, the the notions of good and evil were, yeah. were always usually well defined. And in right. this case, he, Terry Malloy, Marlon Brando's character, is kind of being pulled yeah. in two directions. But but it's not over. It's not overt, and the character isn't necessarily a bad or good person. He's just kind right. of a guy. Yeah. That's just been kind of going through life, just kind of whichever way the wind blows, you know, whatever the prevailing winds were. And, and they were they were towards, you know, the the, the corrupt union because his brother, Charlie, played by Rod Steiger, was like the right hand man to Johnny Friendly, played by the great Lee J. Cobb. So he was just kind of a low level. He was a boxer. He was a bum. You know, he's, he's known as being a bum. You know, he's not to, to the level of his brother. His brother's a bookkeeper. So he's kind of important in the in the the corrupt union organization and and his brother terry kind of works in you know works on the docks in the hatch you know with his hook kind of slinging bags you know and he's just kind of like a guy that's just kind of going through life at this point until these other until he meets 
uh, until he meets Eva Marie Saint's character, yeah. who's who's looking to find out about her brother who got killed because he was about to testify and or give information about the corrupt unions. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really. I mean, I I found it really interesting too. Again, just looking at the whole, you know, the the theme of it and, and where it was coming from, with the backdrop of the New York skyline behind it's like you're outside of the city, outside mm-hmm. of a gate, so it's almost like you're gated in. So the, the visuals were really interesting, and and as a character. Brando's character was, you know, he was just trying to be a good guy to everybody because that's just how things moved. He was a cog. And I think at the moment he figured out he didn't need to be a cog anymore. And very, like I said, even with Copland, I know we talked about it recently, but it was, it was so like true to almost the pacing of the end where he felt that he had to break that cog to reset it and to reset it right. And, and again, I think it's movies didn't really, you had bad guys, you know, you had James Cagney, you had Bogart and all these guys talking about corruption. But that, to me, this is probably the, the biggest hammer, uh, you know, breaking through that, that ceiling of you talking about the mob, you're talking about, you know, subtly ethnicities and how they're controlling certain areas and, and everything. And even he's being leveraged even by the government. They're kind of they're kind of a prick to him, too. No one's treating him nice. It's only the yeah. one girl. And he had to confess about what happened to the girl and her brother. Yeah. And he's like, a great oh my, scene when when, when he scene. meets her yeah. when he meets her by down like the junkyard. You know, Father Barry played by by the great Carl Malden, a, a, a cigarette smoking, beer drinking yeah. priest, which is why I got my beer tonight in honor yeah. in honor of Father Barry. Also, not afraid to swing. He's not afraid to throw some fisticuffs, but he's yeah. he's kind of like the he's. I don't know if he's the angel on on Terry's shoulder. He's almost like the devil on Terry's he's, shoulder, like kind of really prodding him. He's a bit of an antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. really kind of putting in, putting it in his face that you're, you every, every person is morally obligated yeah. to do the right thing. I don't care what your, your bag is. I don't care what your problem yeah. is. That's your problem to deal with. You know, and he really kind of is, is a straight talking kind of street priest type thing. And in, in a, in a tough, in a tough parish, realizing yeah. that there's a lot of these things going on and he decides to involve himself in it. Like he, he, he has a, a crisis of conscience, I guess as well. Of like, I can't sit around and, yeah. and let these people be bullied and let them be killed. I need to stand up. And, and that's when he, you, you're right. He, he kind of antagonizes Terry. That, that's a part of the time too, I think, because priests were a lot more politically active as well as Ilya Kazan's upbringing. The, the Greek independence was a lot of it was motivated by, by church officials yeah. in the Eastern church. So even that growing up with him, that's part of his storytelling of knowing that sort of ideology that the, the, the priests and churches fought for the common man. It wasn't really for the big yeah. institutions. So even bringing that character into the fore, things very different than you're saying the complacent priests, you know, you know the the, uh, the stereotype of the Irish priest, you know, taking a couple of sips, you know, that was prevalent <laughs> in the uh, in, in in the movie industry until that time. And they, they weren't yeah. really the ones saying you got to get out there and you fight. Are you going to be a man or not? You know, you yeah. know what has to be right. He forces him. To tell, uh, you know, the love of his life now of what he did that he knows could shatter that everything, and he had to sit there and take it that and watch it. And it was, it was a great scenes. They didn't explain. They just showed the anger and the stress. Yeah, and you hear the horn over yeah. every, when he's trying to explain to her. Eric. It's it's almost like the, it's almost like the, we're watching somebody discover things in them that they didn't know they had. Right? Because he always was mm-hmm. just kind of like always Charlie's brother. Yeah. And, and little by little, he realizes that that he is able to, um, and, and he learns it the hard way that it's not always comfortable. But but he learns that that he has the ability to take control of his own life. He does, and and his right. brother all this time has been keeping him down. Right? He could have. That's the whole. That's the line. That's the famous line. It goes, "I I could have been a great fighter, but uh, you know, you had me taking dives. You had me, you know, working for." 
this guy. So his, in a sense, his brother was keeping him down. A lot of people have been keeping him down in this film. So, you know, he's discovering something of himself, that strength. Yeah. And that's Even where himself you got- was keeping himself down. Right? That's right. Well, that's why you have like- father back. Like he just thinks of himself as a bum. Like I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah I'm just, they're kind of throwing me a bone by, you know, then he's not even working. They got him like, you know, he's doing favors. He's, you know, Johnny friendly, you know, is giving him money. It's like, Oh yeah. You, you know, you do this for us and we'll, we'll take care of you. You don't have to work. You don't have to do anything on the docks. You could just sit on the, on the bags and, you know, and just hang out while everybody else is busting their ass, you know? So, uh, and that was the life he was living for quite some time until, you know, uh, he meets Eva Marie Satan and, and then she, you know, and I think, you know, going back to that, like confessing aspect, he, um, I kind of think she knew all along that he was part of something. Like she mm-hmm. kept alluding oh, to that fact that he was, yeah. you know, that he was, you know, but she wanted to hear it from him, I think, you know, and I think, and of course, Father Barry convinces him, I want you to, I want you to tell her. And that's going to, that's going to like set you free. That's going to be, you know, uh, your your big coming out moment in the sense of standing up and then and from ever since then it's like he you know and people like like Kazan like we're 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 saying is this referencing your you know uh being in front of the committee and 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 giving away those names and stuff he goes absolutely yeah absolutely like the scenes like when he's in front of the committee and he gives up you know he's doing what and he does what he does even though Schulberg will disagree with that and he'll say, no, it's not about that at all. He's not trying to make this about that, but it is some somewhat, you know, but Kazan no kind of could not be. Yeah. Right. It could, you know, he put that in there, but uh, yeah. Do, but, uh, Kelly, do you think, I mean, do you, do you think his, his transformation was, was, was genuine? Did you feel kind of like, you know, that, that he was kind of slowly being torn or, or slowly being brought into the light in either through the, through the, not only through what Father Barry and Edie were doing, but also the way Lee J. Cobb and, and started to treat him and the way he started to treat his brother. So one, in one way, he's being pulled at one way, but then he's also being pushed, uh, which, which is stuff that he might have normally taken. Like he might have normally taken that kind of stuff before, but because he was being pulled, it was a different dynamic. Yeah. And something that I related this too and that gave me that same feeling was rocky and even million dollar baby where they're just existing Mm -hmm. and something happens that makes that thing go off in your brain that says it doesn't have to be this way i can make a difference or i can like it's a dividing point it's a before and after you know this is how it was and then this event happened and now this is how i will be And I think it was very genuine. I think that he probably hasn't known love very much. He hasn't Mm -hmm. known honesty, you know, that wasn't self-serving. So, you know, once he got a little taste of that, I think he realized no matter what I do and say from this point forward, I will be different. And he chose that difference instead of just saying, okay, you know, I'll just go back to the way I was. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's been with women or broads or dames, right? <laughs> but, but real, no, honestly, there's a difference. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but never, never someone that challenged him. Like Edie would, would kind of challenge his, and not forcefully, but just ask him questions. Like, like she would just kind of ask probing questions of him. You know, well, yeah. how do you, yeah. why do you feel that way, or how does you know, how does that make you feel? And, right. and, and, and it brought his, 
his defense is down. There's the, the great scene after after the ch- after the church scene where the where the guys come and they start just pummeling all the people meeting at the church. You know, Brando gets Eva Marie Saint out, and they're walking through the park, and it's a great moment. I don't think it was scripted where she drops her she drops her glove, and then he picks it up and he's just kind of playing with it and just kind of like uh, to me that's like the method acting. It's kind of like he yeah. he grabbed that moment and just and they kept it going. And they're just talking, you know, like, like yeah. it, it's, it's a, it's a real genuine kind of thing where mm. he's not trying to get over on her. He's just kind of talking to her and she starts asking questions and he's kind of like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, the way they used to whack me at the school and they didn't think, oh, you know, and you, you yeah. see him kind of start to open up, even though there's not, you don't know where the relationship is going. Cause she's supposedly in, in a kind of an, on the track to be a nun or or to be, you know, in, in the Well, in the everyone church assumes that, but she makes it very clear to him. No, no, no. I'm just going to a, a girl's school. Yeah. I'm just, you know, going because I think she wants to make sure he knows that's not her tract. You know what I mean? Like, He's like, yeah, so the, what, are you going to be a nun? Yeah. Well, the there's definitely, that, yeah, there's definitely scene, a tra- an attraction there. Yeah. But Yeah. That, that scene, actually, in the documentary, they explained that that accidentally happened in rehearsal mm-hmm. where she dropped the glove and he mm-hmm. picked it up and did that. And then they wrote it in because it was so genuine yeah. and such a it's brilliant, a good thing. Yeah, you, you can yeah. see on her expression; she's hesitates, asking for the glove. So there's a give and take of that property, mm-hmm. and he's he's fiddling with it. He puts it on, he yeah. stretches it, and, and even the way he's speaking to her is a very like a nonchalant. I don't say nonchalant, but he's saying, "Hey, other people, you know, let's make sure you're home safe." Yeah. There's genuine concern yeah. between both of them at building their dialogue. So he's trying yeah. to build a relationship, not right. usually the, probably the ones he's used to. And her being detached, she's showing him a way out of a, yeah. a way out of Hoboken. Even later, she says, "You can go to Ohio. You can go anywhere." She, he's yeah, probably she's, never thought he could leave the waterfront. But he's also showing her uh, the, his side of things as well. Yeah. Where her, yeah. you know, her dad, you know, Pop sends her off to the school. He's like, "You, yeah. you don't belong here. Go back to the <laughs> sisters." He had her bags yeah. packed. He goes, "I got a bus yeah. ticket for you." Yeah, <laughs> and he's such a, um, he's such a great character in the film Pop. too. He's yeah, he's he's amazing. Um, but anyway, it's like ain't, ain't, ain't fit I, for the eyes of a girl. And I think <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I think he went down at the dock. She's coming around to that. Yeah, there's all that. There's sort of all that Catholic guilt going on, and you know, with yeah. the priest, yeah. and you know, and she's the upbringing of her and that, you know, but she has never seen that, uh, that kind of side of it herself, right. or at least experienced it. And she, and he's introducing her to that world, but yeah. yes, but like you pointed out, Roland, he's very protective. He becomes but very yeah, protective just, of her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say he, just, he was, he was less of a tough guy and more of a protector of yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he was, he, he was not afraid to, you know, we got, let me get, you know, get you out of here, go this way. It's, it's going to be safer. And then when they were together, yeah, it's kind of like that, which is the first like that, that, that that tough guy kind of facade kind of comes down. That is the first step in his redemption, right there. Yeah. Is is her that that is, scene? Is, yeah. Well, just the whole yeah. like what we pointed out, like her being his like it's not said, it's not you know he doesn't say it, but yeah, he takes on that role of being a protector, and I think that's you know that's that's it starts down that path of his redemption it's without so, a motive, you know. Exactly without a motive, which right. is interesting. That's yeah. right. Again, he, he doesn't have a motive for it. He just wants to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. That that just shows his inner self. So he's yeah. coming to terms with who he is. He's always done things without a motive. He never did it for the money. He did. Yeah. He, he took. He took dives to help his brother. He didn't do it for the money because he got nothing from yeah. it. Right. He, he he got the other guy on the roof, Yidi's uh, brother, because hey, we needed to talk to him. He didn't know what they were doing. I thought they were just going to talk to him. Yeah. So he's always just helping people out. So his he never has a motive beyond just being comfortable. That's all he wanted. Even yeah. the idea he says it in the film too. Yeah. I just want to be okay. 
I just yeah, want a steady job. Po- just want a few potatoes. That's all I want. That's it. Uh, that's it. Potatoes is all yeah. I want. Yeah, right? I don't, yeah. He's got a simple, simple, a simple man with simple aspirations. He's not yeah. aspiring. He doesn't right. want handouts. He's not, he doesn't a, big want, dream, he's right. not a big dreamer. He's right. not right. this big dreamer. And I, I'm going to, you know, he accepts who he is. Yeah. They, they took the dream from him, and that's his realization. Yeah. They he all took his the reality of life because, yeah. and, he's, right. and in in that great monologue, yeah. you know, which is a bu- it's a um, you know, which is a bum, which is what I am. Like he yeah. understands that, you know, the the the, the better days of, of of what he wanted to be are gone. But that doesn't mean that there's not there's not something else that he can be. Like yeah, every, like I guess he thought probably <clears throat> he's as only as good as he is strong. Meaning he's only as good as as he is as being a boxer. But it turns out. That he has another skill set that is uh, that you know there's an honesty there 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 is a true nature to him he understands mm-hmm. you know where where Charlie is is, is has no problem coloring outside the lines yeah he's yeah. too far you know, gone whenever whenever it needs to be but but yeah. but but Terry still had that that innocence of the truth and you know he took care of pigeons so he was a caretaker yeah right and he was taking care of Joe you know the Joey's who you know even Saint's brother got killed he was taking care of those you know there's a lot of parallels. With, with the caring of the pigeons as well and how they mate for life and they don't leave each other. And he, he's explaining that. And there's that those notion, those yeah. notions to her. And I think that was vis-a-vis him also mm-hmm. probably feeling that way is, you know, when you find somebody, you stay with them. And that's so genuine too. Like the, yeah. what is with her brother, like he was set up to just to call them out so that they could do with, you know, the guys waiting for him on the roof so they could yeah. <laughs> to chuck him off the roof. You know, and he's like, I didn't know you guys were going to kill him. I, I, I just thought you were going to lean on him a little bit. You know, he's trying mm-hmm. to, he's trying to come out of that. Like he feels so guilty throughout that. You know, like he just he knows that. Yeah, he doesn't want to face. He always dodges it. He always there is absolutely it. nothing he could do for these people that's on that's legit. That is that is he's not he 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 is going to be pulled in. Where his brother is like so far gone. I mean, he's the right hand yeah. man. He's he's and got he's no by association. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah. when he, if, you know, no matter even if when he tries to do something good, he's always looked at as Charlie the gent's brother, right? When when they have this secret meeting down in the basement of the church to talk about the unions, yeah, and 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 Lee J. Cobb's character Johnny Friendly sends Terry down. He goes, you know, find out who the play. We don't know who the players are. We want to know what what's going on. And he walks in and 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 Dugan, I love Dugan. K.O. Dugan. He's like, who invited him here? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's oh actually based on a on a character, a real life uh, person that uh-huh. was on the production who was working really closely with Bub Sh- Bud Schuberg, who was talking to like real longshoremen. He was uh-huh. like, you know, these a lot of the extras from you know Hoboken were in the film. And this guy named I forget, I think his name was uh, his last name was Brown. I think his his might have been Arthur Brown or I, I, you know, but they call him Brownie and he was always on set. Cause he was always, he was a, a real longshoreman and he experienced a lot of this kind of thing. And, you know, so there was a sense of, so they, they kind of based the character of KO oh, on really? him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, Cause he was, oh. he was like that kind of like lively. The, the, yeah. the, the One of the best lines in the film <laughs> yeah. is when they're, when they're on the, we're on the dock and, and JP, the JP Morgan is the, they call him, he's the banker for, for the, you know, for the mob. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's lending money to pops and, right. and, you know, pops like, Oh, you know, you, you're screwing me again or whatever. And JP says, you know, you'll, You'll miss you'll you'll thank me when I'm dead. And Kale's like, why don't you drop dead now so we can test that theory? <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's one of the best burns ever. Oh, there's there is. Oh, he's got he's got a lot of them. He's got a lot of lines. I love the wine where I've been doing this for thirty years, and I'm I'm poorer now than I ever was when I started. And yeah, like oh, it's yeah. Oh my god, that guy is such a such a treasure. He only did a few films. He didn't do a lot of work before and after, but. Uh, and then the and then the scene when when you know uh, when when Father Barry gets to him, you know he kind of hey you got a cigarette and then and then Kale kind of looks at him like oh okay this guy priest is asking for a cigarette he must be on the <laughs> level and he you know gives him a cigarette and then you know kind of kind of Father Barry kind of wins these guys over that he's like he like he keeps saying I'm not just a guy with a turned around collar you know like he was always trying no, to he's, yeah that he he's not afraid to get his you know his literally his hands dirty in this film Carl Malden you know Roland is is a kind of a you know, we know him from the streets of San Francisco yes. as people of a, from a certain age. And we know him from, like I said, you know, the American Express commercials, but. Yeah, Streetcar Desire. It, it, yeah. I mean, but in this film, he's just, yeah. he is just really a force to be reckoned with. He really yeah. kind of, as he brings the fire and brimstone, literally in his monologues, the, uh, the monologue after KO gets killed, right? Yeah. Where this is a crucifixion and Jesus yeah. is down here. I mean, that is some powerful. Yeah. Uh, some powerful acting that he puts on on film. He, he, he brings a lot to it. He's actually an immigrant, also. I think he came from Croatia or something. He's a Croatian immigrant, so he came as a kid. So you have a lot of these inputs of these people who came from other cultures. We're able to see, and that's I, I think the key of method acting also is to really look around you, and, like you said, experience things. And these mm-hmm. individuals came from different societies, and they came here, and they had a different, all these different perspectives, sort of mapping out in their heads how to bring these characters to life. And I'm sure he had some influence too. You know the. Hell's Kitchen was full of, it's a huge Croatian church in Hell's Kitchen. I've never seen it. And he's probably part of that community. And he probably had a priest who was very fire and brimstone of you have to help your fellow man and you can't yeah. back down. And him bringing that to that character, to that dialogue of right across the river is really, really impressive. I yeah. mean, his weight, his passion in his eyes, like you said, he, yeah. he had it. You see it in his eyes, you see it in his face. He's trembling while he's saying what he's saying. Yeah. In those moments, because you know, there's a couple, the a couple of those scenes. Yeah, yeah. When, when he went, when, um, when, when they're bringing Ko's body up through the hatch, and and he's he's riding up, and and uh, Pops is sitting there, and Pops just ha- just takes the pack of cigarettes. He doesn't say anything. He just like lifts it up and offers yeah. him a cigarette, and, and yeah. Carl Malden just like takes the cigarette. Yeah, you know, yeah. or the the scene in the bar towards the end when 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 he when he knocks out Terry. And he's like, give me a, you know, it's like, he's like, give me a beer. Cause he's like, so like, you know, after that, it's just intense thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not, he's not immune to getting rattled, but he's so, but he also stands by his convictions, Kelly. Do you think that, that, you know, he, there was just something about his performance. I, I don't know that like, it, it's easy to be, oh, he's a priest, but, uh, but yeah. I think he really helps drive the, push the story forward. Definitely. And I think it's interesting that you don't always know what side he's on. Like, you feel like, is he just, you know, what is his motivation? What is, you know, his ultimate goal out of this? Because you feel like he's, in some points, torturing Terry. Sometimes he's like, you know, (laughs) promoting him. It's like, what exactly is his role? But it definitely, it's, he's not like the narrator, but he's definitely like a, uh, he moves everything along. And he's like the the forward motion of it. Would you think he's the conscience of it? I like that. Yeah. I I think so. Because, you know, when you first, when he, you know, when you first sees Terry, he's like, there's a disdain. Like, what do you want? Like, he knows he's working for them. Like, but he knows that he's, you know, he knows that Terry is his pet project as it were, I think. And I think he's like, you know, looking to, 
to bring him out of that. But but at first, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with him. He's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, what are you doing here, kind of thing, and what do you care, and you know, um, so yeah. But and and, and, and against like you know, even people in the church too are like the other priests are like, what do you see? What you cause? Like they're they're not yeah. with him either. So yeah. he's sta- he's literally standing alone. Yeah, this there's, thing, there's and, you this, know, this so. scene before uh, before Terry meets Edie with like we talked about where where Terry fi- finds Father Father Barry and Father Barry's kind of blowing him off. He's like, well, if you're not going to talk, you know, I don't got nothing to say with you. And he like walks away and and Terry pursues him. Yeah. Right. And, and they come to that shot where where they're at the corner and he says and he says, you know, I, I called Edie here and, she, and they, she's like down below. And he's like, you, you know, here's where it is. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You got to go tell her now. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, yeah, he was kind of playing with them a little, kind of, kind of fishing them in and yeah. and pushing, pushing them away because he knew that that would make him come in and and pursue him yeah. even more, like because because he knew that he had kind of like Charlie said they got gotten his hooks into him, right? Yeah. You know, was kind yeah. of filling his head with these notions, but it's it's what Terry, it's the, it's that that physical stimulation that that Terry needed, like the kind of wake up. You know that that he's he's more than just this lackey guy that every you know kind of like like Lee J Cobb. We kept you around for laughs, but now it's business. Mm-hmm. You know that's all he ever was was kind of a, a walking joke to these people. You know, but 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 Father Barry saw more in him. So you know, and maybe it was to his to Kelly to your point, it might have been to for his own uses as well. To kind of he knew that that Terry could help take take down the, the mob. So maybe, maybe Roland, maybe he was manipulating him a little bit. Cause he knew that this, he might've been the weakest link. That I, I he think could it's get almost, to. I, I agree with that. And even like thinking about it, cause you know, it, it is a Terry movie, but if you, if you look at the storyline, the thread, it could be almost a father Barry movie. Yeah. Absolutely. The killing yeah. happens. And then he gets essentially a rebirth of, of conscience when he mm-hmm. sees the dead body. And they're like, how do you stand by and let this happen? You're our you're our priest. You're our parish priest. How do you stand here and let this yeah. happen? And that turns him where, he, like, like everybody you're saying, even the church is like, "What are you doing? You don't rock the boat. Yeah, you know, this is not what you do. These are these are our members, and that's it." And right. he's and he's pushing along the, the the parts of moving people into place and instigating a little bit and making it happen because he knows in the big grand scheme of things, sometimes you have to break away to make things right. And that's yeah. what he's showing Terry to do. Hey, I broke away. I broke away from. What the t- church is telling me to do is just follow and don't rock the boat and don't worry about it. You know, every Sunday, you know, pass the pan around, get some money, we're good. And he's not that. He's saying no, no. Like, he, and they're the and, and they're hiding in the in the church walls, right? The other priests, yeah. they're they're you know, yeah. he's out on the streets, right? He's right. walking the streets. Street. He's in the throng. He's, he's drinking like, priest. Yeah, yeah, he's standing right there on the docks, watching it yeah. all happen. And he's right. you know that pr- he's he's his presence is felt. You know, and, 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 like to, to me, it could be a Father Barry film from his perspective. Yeah. It's almost from his perspective. You know, I mean, equal weight, I would say. I know Brando's the lead, but story-wise, it's almost equal weight of who's telling the story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, he is based on a real character. His name yeah. is uh, John Corridan. Right. This was a, this really, ha- and then like Terry's character is also is uh, Anthony D. Vincen- uh, Vincenzo. Right. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately for him, things didn't exactly pan out like they did for Terry, you know, the, you know, yeah. he tried to up, you know, and uh, it, it didn't, it didn't happen that way in real life, but, <laughs> but yeah, but you, like, like you say, it's, it, it is very much both their stories. I think, I think it's a duality there, you know, it's a path to redemption and it's also a path of, of reawakening rebirth. Like you, like yeah. you mentioned Roland. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think yep. so. I think for yeah, you're right for both. Um, it, it, Father Barry t- also talks about the crucifixion, right? There's that the, again that monologue when when this happens, it's a crucifixion. And when I watched this again, I couldn't help but think it came back to me at the very at the last scene, you know, where where Terry gets it beaten to almost beaten to death. And he needs to get, he needs to walk to the, to, to the, where the dock is, you know, where the guys are working. And if, if, if we all go, and these guys turn so easily, oh, you know, like first it's like, he's one of theirs. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you walk with us, we'll go. But anyway, and, and father Barry's like, you, you need to get on your feet. You need to walk yourself. Um, and you need to kind of go, uh, and if you go to the front, you know, and show people, we're not going to take this, they'll go with you. And, and there was a kind of a low, a low angle shot where Terry's all bloodied and he's kind of walking like up the ramp to the dock. For some reason, it brought an image of Jesus, like the crucifixion yeah, of like carrying the cross. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what, you know, what, what, I don't know if it was supposed to mean something like that, Roland. Did you? I, I definitely saw that. And I think, again, that's probably Elia Kazan and his, his religious upbringing. He was, he was very strongly religious. And and that that's, that imagery really came across on this uh, yeah I, I got the same feeling of him being yeah, resurrection he like or he's doing that last with the yeah. cross bearing the cross and he's the one who's sacrificing himself for their sins yeah. and, and that's yeah. it's probably the right way to even interpret it where he, he yeah. sacrificed yeah, I, I wasn't sure what it would sense. yeah i wasn't sure what it would mean like even though they were finicky that's you know that's what it is you know people are finicky yeah. and, and and in the bible you know everybody's finicky and they're sort of moving back and forth and jesus yeah. saying well i'll take it all on me you know so we go in the right direction and that's pretty much how I think this story is told as well. I, th- I think it is some some of that. And again, I think Kazan as a director, his beliefs really came forward, you know, yeah. with, with this. And it's it's a lot more mystical. East, Eastern Church is a lot more mystical than the Roman Catholic Church. So there's a lot of more imagery in that, and a lot of this more spirituality in, in a way. And I think that that really was prevalent in, in the storytelling. Yeah, Martin Scorsese would say that as well. Yeah. The stage, yeah. Stations of the Cross. This was a, yeah. I mean, obviously a huge influence on everything he's done. Oh yeah, in his work. You yeah, know, that's, the pacing, I mean, this, the angles. This movie is like, you know, everything to him. It's, it's he doesn't oh. even like to refer to it as a film. As much as it was a phenomenon or an experience, are you kidding, or, John, you know. John, John? Johnny Friendly's bar <clears throat> is almost recreated in Goodfellas. Yeah, it's got the it's yeah. got the sliding doors that separate yep. that back room. Yeah, you know, you got the bar in the front, and you got the doors that kind of where the things in the back go on like separately. Yeah, yeah. It, it, in in Goodfellas, the the bar, the the whatever lounge it was, is is laid out the same. It's laid out almost the same exact way. It's because of him that I actually this that first time I ever saw this film was because of Martin Scorsese after seeing Goodfellas. I don't think he I saw it. I don't think I seen it until the nineties. Hey, watch this, but hear him talking about how much of an influence it was and prompted yeah, you can me tell. to it's you know a, to go back. Direct, and, yeah, right. There's a thread from this to Scorsese. To I mean, so like I'm saying, with a lot of movies. Lords of Flatbush, even I would say. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But along with the pigeons on the roof, I was like, "Oh my God, he's been doing this forever." Yeah, like, he, he just really pulled a lot of this character. This yeah. is a how-to for a lot yeah, of the, actors. And directors. The, yeah, the influences are 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 far it's fast, wide. It's fast. Even um, like I said, Eastern Eastern European films. I I, yeah. I know Nick Lesh is not here, but he's the only Albanian <laughs> on this thing, so I'll say it. But it's but there's a lot of Eastern European like communist era films that you know they were very artistic, and this is how they could sort of tell their sto- story with subtext. And the style is very strongly influenced by Ilya Kazan. It's at yeah. the angle. Even with the score. The score is amazing. The fact oh, that really, Willie Bernstein really scored like, it. Oh, 
punctuated. I mean, it's, it's, the it's, one it's and only score he ever film score he ever did, right. Leonard Bernstein was yeah. uh, was and this it, movie. It's, yeah, and it's yeah. amazing that it came across that with that power that 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 moved it along. There wasn't there wasn't just just music around to be music for music's sake. He was moving moments around. He was moving yeah. emotions around, moving emotions Absolutely. forward. Again, yeah, it wasn't incidental parts. music. Right. It added to yeah. the, the melodrama of it, it like the intensity Absolutely. of it. You know, even the Absolutely. love scene, like the quiet scenes were yeah. elevated to that level. There was such intensity in the, even yeah. in like, a, you know, the, when they're on the roof, when she's like, you know, uh, they're almost touching hands through the gate, you know, through the, yeah. through the fence, you know, like, and there's that music that just builds to this big yeah, the music the pigeons thing. i mean it's just everything yeah. has weight even the death right. of the pigeons when he's broken because yeah. his pigeons are dead i mean he's broken like this is yeah. what they took from me they're taking everything a yeah, freaking you, pigeon you, they took from me yeah, yeah you you really see how tender he was kelly in that scene when he when he's kind of because because when he when he goes to see the pigeons and even marie saint mm-hmm. is walking near him and he's kind of he's behind the door but he's waving her off yeah because of because of what he's seen and that and i'm like she doesn't just doesn't stop like and she <laughs> doesn't listen to him yeah. she just she goes anyway but he's and and then you see him just like sitting on the ground like yeah. you know why did he do this you know you, mm-hmm. you really get to see brando really you know i i don't think he might have ever been better in, in a film do you no. think no, and I think that the funny thing about that scene is that he's not mourning those birds. He's mourning that lost child that did that. You know what I mean? That's the way yeah. I feel about it, that he's yeah. saying, oh, you know, we lost him now, you know, because he's turned this anger, you know, against yeah. me. And, you know, it's just, I'm sure, yes, he's sad for the birds as well. But overall. But that he's, yeah, now that, that, that child is, is lost. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think. Like to your point, I think he sees that there is no end to this. You know, it, it's so far reaching mm-hmm. that you get children. You, and, and interesting note, that kid became a longshoreman. Yeah, And it was only just a couple of years after he did yeah. the film that he was really I young. Did he and, pick his age so that he could join? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yep. Story, yeah. Yeah. Wow, fun. this movie really had an effect on him. His or, father. Or that's just the way it is in Hoboken. Well, his father was, uh, was he disappeared. He was a longshoreman and he like disappeared off the docks. He was convinced that they murdered his father. So oh, wow. he was, he, he was, you know, he was supporting his mother and he was only like, what, 14 at the time or something like that. And just a couple of years later, yeah, he just became a longshoreman. And he's like, his mother's like, why are you doing this? You could do anything like, you know, I, I want to do this. So. Oh, he could have yeah, been in it. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the golden, of the golden yeah. wars. He doesn't like his performance in the movie. Apparently, he's oh, you know. He's okay. Very, very I thought. Th- oh, absolutely. He's okay. Yeah, he's like, oh, I get embarrassed when I. He, he does all right again. The monsters, the guy from the monsters. Yeah, is Fred in this. Oh, Fred oh, Gwynn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He did, yeah, he's he's didn't really film. have any lines, and and, and also uh, Pat, Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle as the bartender. Uh, yes, as the bartender. Yep. Yeah. Robert Downing is in this. I don't know if that's the same Robert Downing. The original Robert Downing. Yeah, he's in this as an extra. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, he wow. wasn't a New York type actor. Actor. At the yeah, time. that's so true. That makes sense, actually. That's yeah. true. You, you know who was originally up for the role of Terry Malloy? He had a handshake deal. Was Frank Sinatra? Yeah. He was coming. He was coming oh. off his Oscar win for From Here to Eternity, okay. and he kind of had a you know a gentleman's agreement with it. Um, and then things happened. I don't know if he walked away from it or or you know they always had you know they were trying to get Brando and Brando kept saying no. So then what they did is they went and fi- did a film test with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward to kind of make Brando mm-hmm. jealous. Yeah. And Brando came back and said, okay, I'll do it. And then Sinatra's like, well, what about me? And they're like, well, I forget it. 
And then he's like, okay, I'll be Father Barry. And they're like, we already have Father Barry. So right. Sinatra was just kind of, <laughs> so I don't know if you want to do that to Sinatra, especially in, yeah. in the middle 50s. He was, yeah. kind of, you know, he was connected if, if he ever was. That's right. Um, yeah. And he's from Hoboken as well. Yeah, that's why he wanted to do it. He was, he was a hometown, he was yeah. a hometown guy yeah. um, com, coming off his Oscar back. win. What's that? He, he never <laughs> went back to Hoboken. He didn't? No, he hated going back there. He would like refuse to go back there, which is actually wow. kind of funny. But he always mm. refused to go back. He was like, "I'm out. That's it." He so, probably, he probably it remember. Oh, it's a, oh, but when, it, when it's convenient for him, though, to use that as the yeah. excuse, like yeah, I'm a home, yeah. oh, I'm a native Hoboken, yeah, you know, sure. yeah. But he doesn't give a yeah. fuck. About, I make it yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And when it matters for him, absolutely right. Exactly. No, it's, it's, <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely the East Coast actors. This is probably the, one of the. Not the peak, I would say, but this is the start of that big push of East Coast New York actors, method acting, and and the locations. And of yeah, the I was going to say stuff, really stuff filmed on location. This was like yeah, entirely. oh yeah, this that's a that's key, like, man. That you is know, yeah. like you know those those MGM those Warner Brothers pictures from the forties were on. You know they would use exteriors for stuff, but everything was on set. And this was right. in. You, that's you right. Felt, you yep. felt the poverty. That park is still there. That yeah. park is still there. Oh, really? Yeah, so, yeah that park's right across. I wonder if that, if that, if that, I, I was wondering if that dock I think was the there. Church is little, still there. I was wondering the if that little houseboat was yeah. there. What yeah. about the, the houseboat? The dock, I think, got revamped. Those are all like high rises now because yeah. they oh, rebuilt God. that whole area. But it's, it's like high rise buildings with restaurants. But the church is still there. I've been there. I was in an audition. It was right next to that church. <laughs> so that's and, then, I and then of course the extras too and they said that yeah. uh, because it was so bitter cold like kazan was like he like this is all oh, this is a curse like you know yeah. nothing's going right it, it, you know i can't see the the new york skyline I, everything's too gray and foggy. he goes but that served the movie though that was I part of it the, yeah i'm so very with you on that you were yeah, you were you were you were yeah. convinced that it was cold yeah. and and you yeah. could see the you know the breath and people smoking and those faces man i uh my dad was a longshoreman for for many years and and i worked with him a couple couple nights a week when he was working in out of Tarrytown. and um that's where when the I first, was that Edie yeah. went to when I, I that's right that's oh, right the, the country, country the country, the country as she calls it right yeah, he's like, he's like, she's like Tarrytown he's like where's that oh up in the country in like, the country no, that's, right it's like two towns over from where I grew up what do you mean it's the country <laughs> what, what, what country <laughs> but I you know you see you watch this movie and I recognize I see like like these faces and man that I I I saw those guys like working with my dad like they've been doing this for so many years and the, the you know the, the look on their faces and just the you know how they're yeah. reacting to the cold and the environment and the hard work and, and yeah it's it's so convincing man you got that yeah, the, the one guy like yeah. he doesn't get chosen and he takes out yeah. like the sandwich he was gonna have for lunch that's right and yeah. he starts he just starts eating and he's like oh you know I'm not I'm not gonna uh, just come so I'm not gonna just just come just back tomorrow the, yeah, yeah just yeah. have yeah. this just have the sandwich <laughs> now you know like like yeah the yeah. like Hoboken was was as much a character. And, mm-hmm. and the grayness and the depress the you know the depressing nature of it and how these people lived in they all lived in in kind of shabby apartments yeah. and and you know it really kind of spoke to the the nature of the they weren't doing glamorous work for for big mm-hmm. money and and had an aspiration to get a house somewhere they were living you said like paycheck to paycheck sometimes it's like tenement apartments barely. you know railroad flats yeah, yeah. You know, they, they have one black actor in it which i know it doesn't sound like much but back in the 50s that was a big deal to have somebody well, yeah. trade that as the equal other thing that they were saying that you know back then the uh they were segregated so he yeah. should not have been there but right. they put him in to prove the point of you know 
that was fascinating that they made that decision, even though that wasn't. Yeah, right. They would have been separate. Now, definitely, I noticed it right off the bat. Even, Again, you yeah. don't think of it today, but back then it was very segregated. Even Brando was like he would he he didn't stay in a cushy hotel. Right. He would come to the set like he would like take the the subway, you know, to to the set every day or you know to to the location, and he was wearing the clothes and he had the hook. People just imagine what people were thinking and like seeing Marlon Brando sitting on the yeah. the yeah. L or whatever, like with a freaking hook over his shoulder. That, you know, that was, like, yeah. that was right before he bought his side. island in the Bahamas. Yes. <laughs> island of Dr. Moreau. Tahiti, Tahiti or wherever he bought, wherever he bought the island. If he island, showed up with a kimono, that would have been great. Actually, that's what a lot of even stars today There's say. a fly on my face. <laughs> was that Apocalypse Now? Like one of the outtakes? Yeah. Wiping the sweat off with the rag. <laughs> Uh, as Anyways, what were you saying? <laughs> no, I was sorry. just saying that even today, actors say that being in New York, you can be completely invisible, even as a famous yeah. person. Yeah, because people are just yeah, getting that's where true. they need yeah. to go, doing what they yeah. got to do, and whatever you know. Yeah, this was only Brando's sixth film. I mean, he was kind of a star on the rise. I mean, he had done The Wild One, he had done Streetcar, and those were his two big, big films up to this point. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and then this was the one that just kind of shot shot him into the stratosphere. But then he started, he, even after this, though, then he started to really make weird, weird film decisions, right? So he actually kind of, you know, yeah, <laughs> didn't, uh, you know, he was brand, he was Brando. That's all you could say yeah. about it. Is he that's was Brando. true? Brando yeah. does what Brando wants to do. Yeah, um, right. but he was never like you can't take your eyes off him in this film. We he really didn't, didn't like talk about him too much. It. Like, he, what's that? He didn't like himself in this film. Really? No, he did not. He didn't like his performance. Yeah. He walked he out of it, actually. First he screen, didn't he like his performance. He did not like his performance whatsoever. And everybody's like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. You know, it's all, yeah. It's such a nuanced performance. Yeah, the vulnerability that he showed. But you, don't, but you don't tell Brando that, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. apparently. Maybe he's, so, being I don't a contra- know. maybe he's being a contrarian on purpose of like, oh, you know, everyone likes this, it, so I have to like not like it. Because he's Brando. Yeah, yeah because exactly. I can. Yeah, because he because he had that you know you really see him transform or you see him from one to another right in in the scene with Edie in the bar it's like what's my philosophy on life he's like you know get them before they get you but then and then it leads to other tender conversations so he was really kind of kind of going through different different phases in, in within a scene but not they're not like wild broad strokes they're they're very subtle the the character is very subtle even though he seems like he's a dope. You know, there, there's there's the underlying there's layers to that onion that that that's what yeah. Edie is doing. Is Edie is is peeling away those those the tough guy facade, and she knows that there's a hurt person under there, or there's a person that kind of you know has something to offer that that is absolutely is tender, yeah. and he's not like these other other people. And, and, that, and that even the even the, the scene, even the scene where where you know she finds you know learns the truth, and she's in her you know in her uh, slip. Yeah, in the apartment, and he comes busting in. You, you think he's gonna, me. you think he's gonna do something like really like rough and tough, and and it's that that's, that just doesn't happen. It's just they yeah. just embrace and he breaks you know, the, the shit out of that door though. That thing comes off the frame. <laughs> he yeah. really like I don't know if that was a stunt door, but he really they don't make doors like they used to. But, I'm just saying. They're but right. also, <laughs> but also, to, also to comment on the scene in the cab too. It's like everybody, yeah. oh, everybody remembers the line, but that's just that's not even the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's everything about that scene. Rod Steiger's performance in that scene, he where he turns in that scene and he realizes what he is to his brother and how he's failed. His oh brother. my god! And he's and, in his face, absolutely. No, he and failed Brand, his and, brother. And, and Brando's reaction to when he pulls the gun on him, he's like, 
Charlie, what are you doing? It's like he's I'm not gonna be intimidated by you. Like yeah. you're my oh, brother. He was, like, he was he was yeah, he wasn't mad. He was just, Oh, he was uh, that's heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking yeah. to see the, the look on Brando's face. He's like, What are you doing? Like yeah. this is the you know, yeah, this you're, is how far, this is how far you've fallen, you right. know, because yeah, because yeah. of the scene beforehand with Lee J. Cobb. He's like, You can have it your way or his way, but you can't have it both ways, you know. Yeah, and, and you see how how detached he becomes, Johnny Friendly, all of a sudden. Right. You know, he's like, you know, I, I don't care. You know, you know, no one's no one's going to get in the way of, of the money, the stream of the money. I don't care who they are, even if it's you, yeah. you know, and he's like, oh, yeah. see you later. Deep thinker. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Lee Cobb. He's such a, oh. Yeah. oh, he's great. He's phenomenal. Screaming is the best. His screaming. His screaming oh, uh, yeah. He, 12 he, Angry he, Men, too, man. Men, too. Yeah. Just, his, just his, that his screaming. Su- his slow burns are—they're not even yeah, slow. No, his slow burns. Yeah. He goes from zero to sixty. That does the right. hot seat how for do, me. How do you know he's doing? <laughs> it's yeah, right. Well, it's right. It's no well. It's all knows. right there. It's no all one right. knows. No one. We're knows. a law-abiding union. <laughs> so it's great. I think even talking about that, like where the turns are. You have Rod Steiger, Charlie turns in the cab. I think yeah. even Roland Brown, Terry turns. When they tell him, hey, Johnny needs to speak to you. And he goes, no, I'm going to send the girl home first. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's his pivot. Like, no. And in front of her, too. Like, no, I'm going to stand up to him. Yeah. No, I'm not a gopher. I, I'm done yeah. doing that. No. I'm going to take care of this first. Then he can see me. So you can see that's a real pivot in that yeah, character. Yeah. And, and that's what bothered up. Johnny. He goes, oh, you, you yeah. know. He, yeah. Uh, he, oh, he's speaking for himself. Me, yeah. You know, right. That escalated yeah. everything. Now he's not my gopher. Now he's not my muscle. like that, right? That's right. Yep. It's, it's a great, great pivot points, great moments that you can really see where the character thinks. Yeah. And you don't think that, it's a big that's deal deal at the time. Yeah. It doesn't seem no, like yeah. it's a, it doesn't seem like that's a big thing at the time. Oh yeah, whatever. But it actually yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. That you can see the characters thinking. I think that's, that's the key with this story too, how, how it moves people and how it stays relevant is that the characters are really, they're, they're in the moments. They're thinking about the dialogue. They're reacting to what's happening. I know acting is reacting, whatever they say, but not everybody does it like that yeah. where you see yeah. their eyes, their eyes are working. They're 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 digesting the words that are spoken to them or the moment that's there, mm-hmm. and they're reacting to that in that way. It's not just simple reaction. It's okay. What do I do now? And their their body language is there. There's so many little nuances of of how they're. I mean, yeah, giant friendly. How he adjusts his clothes when he gets frustrated. He's pulling up his pants because he wants to be a big boy. You know, he's pulling up his <laughs> pants and and, and and making this suit, knowing everybody. Hey, I'm a big boy. I came from nothing. You know? Yeah, and and they're pushing that, and yeah. even like you know, and they're wearing the and they're in the uh, in the trap, and, and they kill that that guy, and they're all wearing their you know nice suits, and you know Father Barry tells him you you and your you know nice suits looking down, your nice coats, hundred fifty dollars suits looking down this yeah. life, you yeah. know, and they like they feel uncomfortable in these suits that probably isn't natural to them, right? You know? And these are these little pivot points of these these characters' physicality changing yeah. throughout the whole story, and that that's that the inst- that's. To me, that's the interesting part of this whole storytelling of how these characters morph within this little time frame. Yeah. Well, uh, Roland, you mentioned you mentioned eyes, and there's no, to me, no better uh, performance in terms of eyes as as Pop. Because yeah. if, if you notice throughout the whole movie, he is a zombie. When he's yeah. on the docks, he doesn't look anybody in the eye. He's right. just he's like he's staring straight ahead. He's like, yeah, yeah here, here, he's handing cigarettes over. Here's uh, here's here's uh, Joey's coat. Take it. Uh-huh. You know, he's not even looking at the guy. He just hands it over. The only yeah. scenes that he comes alive is when he's with his daughter. And yeah. at the very end of the film, when Terry is, you know, walking towards the, the door and he, and he, and pop is like, 
he's looking at some, somebody and like hitting him, like, look what he's doing. Like, you know, right. all of a sudden he's, he comes alive and but the rest of the movie, he's just a, a he's a cog. Well, he's, Pop, he's just he's such a, you know, yeah, he's so yeah. lost and yeah. Yeah. But Pop, you Pop see got that. his when, with Lee J. Cobb. He's like, you've been pushing me around for 30 years. And he like, yeah. pushed, right pushed in the water. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great moment. The, great, the physicality in that yeah. film yeah. is yep. really, he, he did an excellent job of, of, of pulling the physical as well as the acting and the line reads and everything yeah. out of that, out of each yeah. person in there. So they were unique, a unique character that was part of that tapestry. Do you yeah. feel, though, um, let me ask you this. Do you feel though, the, the, it, 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 it does tend to get a bit melodramatic at times. Like, is, is it that, that, that intensity, I, I, I think like streetcar, like I had rented yeah. this with streetcar at the same yeah. time. Cause I was in the, you know, and I couldn't, the first time I watched street, I couldn't get through it. Because it was yeah. just so like, oh my god, this is so yeah. like too much, you know. And there's there's yeah. elements of that in, in in this film as well. I feel, but because of the environment, because of the, the I, whole, I, I agree you know, with you. I think it is melodramatic, yeah. but but the thing, I mean, to that is like almost like starting the first chapter of a book, and I get through that melodrama part of it, yeah. and I get into the, the real meat of it, and then moves. Right. But also, when you look at the history of the director, and, and I, did, I did a little homework. So I, I read up on the history of the director and, mm-hmm. and some of the stuff. because I really wanted to understand more about him. And and knowing where he came from and knowing all that stuff, it just it just made so much sense, his style and the direction he was taking with yeah. it. Now, hitting, hitting a note really hard with a hammer, sometimes you have to. And I think that's also why people have taken his style and pulled it into other, you know, you know, uh, worlds of, of, of filmmaking, like Eastern Europe, Polish, Albanian, Yugoslavian, you know, all these Eastern Bloc countries, they really mimic this style so much because mm-hmm. his storytelling is earnest. Yeah. I would say that that's how I felt at least. Yeah, I know it's melodramatic I think in the, a way. The, but... the melodrama gets a pass yeah. because of the mm-hmm. master class of acting that you're seeing, yeah. right? You, you kind of, yeah, you know, it, I, for me, it's, it's a forgivable, I'm okay with it just because of the great performances you're seeing as a result of the melodrama. That means we're getting to see people go even further. Like these yeah. great actors, they're yeah. not, they're not overdoing it. They're within their, their bounds uh, yeah. and they're just delivering great performances. So for me, yeah, yeah. It, it can't, you know, the yeah. music kind of pushes that melodrama a little bit. It's like, That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it does it that way. It does it almost artificially, but it's not melodramatic through the acting. I, I don't yeah. think it's it's the. I agree. Melodramatic. Yeah. It's just more yeah. the the kind of the accompanying stuff. So it, it, to me, it's the setup. You know, it's yeah. setting up the tone, and and you get like like a preface of a book. It's setting up the tone of where you're going to yeah. go. Also, it is a film of the time. I mean, we're talking. Yeah. This is you know twenty years after you know vaudeville is still hot. You know, in the, until World War Two, so people expected that they, they didn't have it. They didn't want to see it. They yeah. want three movies in a cartoon. You know, that's what they want for their, yeah. their 25 cents. So him, you know, bringing all these heavy hitters in it, bringing it Brando, Bernstein. I mean, we're talking a sound, you know, the music that uh, the guy's a composer on Broadway. And then they're like, this is what we're bringing to you. We're bringing everything of high class quality. Yeah. All of it brought to production. Yeah. And, and we want you to see it. And, and it's on, on location in Hoboken. So you're seeing this gritty performance. You're seeing these actors who are coming up. Who are, a lot of them are new actors, method actors. This is definitely hot out there. And and you know beautiful people, they're good looking people. So it's it's definitely a different time. It's not the aesthetic that was there before uh, with film. You know, with the, the just the looks and the lines and yeah, their faces. Yeah, time, time, Society was changing, so that you know, right. So this is a little bit more of a, of a genuine yeah. and raw 
yeah. emotion. Even the costume design was interesting. You know, the choice of, of clothes, how they were. These yeah. were, you know, these were people who bought stuff off the rack. You know, yeah, you can see, you see Brando with the ripped with the ripped jacket yeah. when he came back from testifying. Like the whole back, the whole back. Uh, yeah, was like, <laughs> yeah. Ripped, like that was the best. Like that was the best. That was probably his best suit. You know, right, so you bad. see the little things that you pick, yeah. I picked up on that too. Even his pants are are, are like stitched several yeah, times, like, quarter, like corduroy pants. pants type, you know, yeah, so type thing. Yeah. I think that realism and that melodrama just it just hits heavy. Yeah. And and sure. like I said, I was just watching Rebel Without a Call. Same thing. It's melodramatic at first. You're like, where is it going? By the end, you feel the pain. Yeah, you mm-hmm. feel that 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 pain, that weight of the morality of the storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit different than what's happening. Now. I don't know if you can make a movie right now where the morals in that lead. It, the moral compass is right there. It's anchored in him. And he's judging the world around him and saying, this is not right. And I have to make this right mm-hmm. at whatever cost. Yeah. And it's definitely it's the of its time. I see. Yeah. I see it. I see it almost as a, as a play, you know, and that's Kelly, a, I think Kelly, I think yeah. you had yeah. asked, you had asked, was this a play first? And, and no, but it did become a play. They did turn yeah. it into a, a Broadway yeah. production. Uh, it didn't, it didn't last. Was acting on theater too. His, his history could, was actually a theater. Well, it's just yeah. like the blocking and the movement yeah. and things that's yeah. very play-like, which right. is actually, you know, it, it just tells the story in a different way. And being that they were like in, they were actually live and out doing this stuff to to be able to nail that kind of feel is yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and, and, and thank God this was never remade. No, thank God. No, you uh, can do this. No, be don't, a, don't touch why. it. No, don't touch it. Never, no. And even when you think oh, about Schumacher's it, Schumacher is on the waterfront. Oh God! No, no. <laughs> Nipples everywhere. Oh my Nipples God! Nipples everywhere. Colin uh, Farrell and Joel Schumacher is on oh, the waterfront. God, please God, no. But uh, the musical. Boz Lerman's on the waterfront. Yeah. Everything's all like technicolor and spark. The ships are all painted with rainbows and they come in sparkling. Ready to go. We have a dream sequence and then it all comes back. So, Alrighty. As, 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 as we wrap this up, paradise. Let, let's, start to, let's start to wrap up. And, and I, I okay. want to hear these. We, we do go around with our movie things and we do talk about favorite scenes. So yeah. um, let's start off with Eric. What, what's one or two of your. your I mean, we could, this is one easily to say everything um yeah but yeah. but what, what are some of the high the high highlights um for, for me it's probably the death of uh, uh dugan is that yeah. that 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 scene hits hard for me because i love that guy you know yeah. it's like and he was the first he was he's the guy that stood out before anybody before terry before and and it and it and, you know didn't pan out for him right. did it you know, it's like so. But that's the reason why everybody's still like holding back. They don't want to get involved. They don't yeah. want to rat. Indeed. But he, you know, but you know, but the pre, you know, Malden got to him first, and look what happened. Like the yeah. <laughs> a, a crate of Jameson falls on him. You know, so that's that's what we're <laughs> drinking tonight, by the way. And, and, um, and, he, and he got the crap. <laughs> he got the crap kicked out of him. At the exactly. First. And mean, he's just right. as bloody as he as Terry was. The, I, right. Oh, yeah. Baseball bats and whatnot. You know, whole. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not bad. That, that, using my head as a baseball, and not only that, but Malden getting pummeled by like the fruit, and they're they're mocking him, and you yeah. know it's like get out of here, and it's like oh, yeah, that that's quite a scene because yeah. it felt real. It felt you know, I, yeah, it's a so. that's when the stakes got higher because that's also when right. when, when Terry yeah. knocked out Til, uh, Tilio because Tilio's like oh, what watch what I'm going to do now, and he's going to throw that's, the, that's, that's when, right when Terry knocked him out, and that kind of you know. Started yeah, yeah. Ter- Terry then was on a, a point of no return. So really, mm-hmm. that's good choice. Good choice, Roland. 
Got I something? have two scenes. Cool. Two scenes, actually. Uh, a J, sort of in line with Eric. I love the church scene with the disruption of it. So mm-hmm. when, when they started banging around, it reminded me of like West Side Story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, again, influences are everywhere. And uh, but but that that disruption of their meeting, this a simple meeting, which wasn't actually that weighty. They weren't going to make any decisions. And that's right. I thought the energy there changed the movie tremendously, mm-hmm. where you knew now is going to be aggressive. It's a war now. It's a battle between two factions mm-hmm. of people trying to get their freedom and then people trying to control those people they were controlling and keep everything status quo. Yeah. And the glove scene. With uh, yeah. Terry Needy, to me, is such a beautiful, beautiful, subtle scene of this awkwardness of two people trying to get to know each other in a in a world that probably doesn't really allow a lot of people to get to know each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like one of the prettiest scenes for me, just watching that. I watched it probably four times. I just kept Good going choice. back yeah. on it. Because <laughs> it was just so subtle, his hand yeah. movements, her, their yeah. awkwardness, and just that, that, that dialogue, the distance they have from each other where they're trying to get to know each other and just moving back and forth and keeping mm-hmm. that distance, keeping things a little formal, trying to go to the next stage. I, th- I just thought it was a beautiful, beautifully acted scene. Yeah, they're kind of circling each other. Yeah. You know, she yeah, wasn't yeah. sure how to get the glove. She wanted to get the glove back, wasn't sure. And yeah. yeah just, just kind of just fiddling with it. Little things. Eye yeah. contact was a little off. So mm-hmm. they're like not sure if they can really talk to each other or at each other. So yeah. it's all these little things. I thought that was really uh, – for, for me, it worked. It, it made, a, made a good impression on me. Cool. Kelly? Um, the scene where he finds his brother after they've hung him up and how he's like tenderly like taking him down and you know it's like even though all they've been through it's like it's still his brother and the lighting in that scene is just so phenomenal how they're doing the them racing down you know trying to get away from the car and he you know puts his hand through the glass that's also another one that that sticks out for sure because Mm -hmm. it's like and it's like the scene with the with the pigeons you know he's like don't come and see this he told her the same thing like you don't need to see that and then she just does not care <laughs> right just up there out. with it right. yeah. well, i think yeah. it's, a, it's a big difference between a guy on a meat hook right with, with, yeah. and, and dead pigeons yeah. though you know it's like <laughs> either way yeah, so, but, um, but yeah. I think that, that definitely to me you know closed out their relationship and and really you know it was so well done that i like that scene yeah but yeah. I, I agree my my that that the the Charlie, the death of Charlie scene. Um, Brando says a line in there. You know, he's like, "Go, go get father and have him come, and then come back." And he's like, "And don't leave him out here to alone too long." Yeah, like it, like that line just for some reason always hit. He's like, because the way he says, he's like, he's like, like almost as if he's alive. He's like, "Don't leave him out here alone too long. Like, don't leave him, Mm -hmm. even though he's he's Mm -hmm. he's deceased. Don't leave him." You know, he still yeah. need, you know, be, be with somebody, be with him, you know? And then the scene following that is Terry, the, the board gets erased for Terry, all of the tenderness and all the things he was leading up to being taught get traded in for a gun. And he's going with what he, he's going with violence. He's going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it out of their skulls like that. He, you know, it's his, his instincts come back to him of going to settle this the way I know how and the way I can do it. I'm just going to yeah. kill everybody. You know, and that's when Father Barry comes in and says, you know, you, you know, and it is like, you know, it's none of your business. It's none of your business. But and he's trying and Father Barry's just trying to get cut through that that rage. If he could mm-hmm. just cut through that rage and, and get him back, kind of kind of refocus him and reset him, um, which he does with the punch. You know, when he punches him, then, then everybody yeah. runs, everybody leaves. And it's kind of like it's a lost cause anyway. So then it's kind of like, you know, 
they both kind of calm down, and that's when when he's like, you know, give me a you know, give me a beer, and then they both <laughs> sit there. The priest and him just sit there and they dr- and they drink a beer, you know, and it's kind of like because it's it was intense for both of them. It was an intense situation. Oh, yeah. for you know, he probably as a priest probably didn't probably went beyond what he would have done. He wouldn't have slugged somebody, but he's he's so passionate about this cause or about Terry and about saving his soul as it were, you know, and maybe that means something personally to him um, that, 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 that those two scenes connected the death of Charlie and then the scene after are just really just powerful stuff. So, yeah. 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 So I think that's going to do it for this episode. This is the first of many best picture act, best picture Academy (laughs) award winning films. I can't say it for some reason. And it's only been one year. Um, but there's more to come this month. So for Academy Awards, we've got a bunch of great movie content coming. Roland will be back again. I believe Kelly will be back again as well in other episodes. You'll have to listen to see where they pop up again, though, because we're not going to tell you. Not, we're not going to do that. So, But you can find us, as usual, at 3324Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Go check us out there. New episodes come out every Thursday. If you're a regular, you know that. If it's new, well, mark it on your calendar. Put it on Outlook, and it'll remind you. Or... Just follow us on your favorite app and you'll get a notification when there's new episodes because sometimes we drop some special stuff in between. So that's going to do it for Kelly, for Roland, and for Eric. This has been Dean asking you to please be kind and rewind. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 